You're listening to I Quit My Job, a podcast about songwriting with your hosts, Derek Harrison and Travis Reitzma. I quit my job. I quit my job. I quit my job. I'm free today. Hi, folks. Today's guest is Toronto songwriter Jay Pollock. The first time I met Jay, I was dressed up as Frodo, and he was dressed up as the floor of the Blue Jays Stadium. He was the type of person who many people in my life would just assume I already knew. We had enough mutual friends that people around me would just mention him in conversation, as if we were all part of a gang or something. Silence sends a message so damn clear. So when I finally did meet him in person, I was pretty excited about it. Here I was in a robe and tunic with a gold ring on a chain around my neck, and there was Jay Pollock in a black jumpsuit with Blue Jays, season guides, empty chip bags, and other trash and paraphernalia taped all over his body. We were at one of the monthly women's-only events put on by the Society of Beer-Drinking Ladies, founded by some very close friends of ours. SOBDL lets dudes come to their parties only once a year on Halloween. lack of alchemy It's almost comedy gold And if there's nothing blowing out the window Then why are my feet so cold? So if we could keep these optical delusions in line Well, I'll be fine When I asked Jay to be on the podcast, he invited Travis and I to his living room We heard our own voices coming from his house in Toronto's Little Italy as Jay was waiting for us with his front door wide open and our interview with Graydon James playing on his stereo. He was in the middle of a month-long break from alcohol and was trying to pawn off his useless beer on us, and between that and the perfect weather that day, we ended up sitting on his front porch for another hour and talking about all the things too delicate to put on tape. Before he bought us all pizza, and then we had to unfortunately call it a day. Before I get to the interview, I do want to share some personal news with you guys. A couple of weeks ago, I quit my job. Now, I didn't do it because I got a record deal or to go on a world tour or to embrace the life of the starving artist. No. I've already started at another job. Does this mean I'm not a real musician? Some people I know would say so. But in my very favorite part of this interview and one of my favorite moments we've ever had on this podcast, Jay calls bullshit on the whole I quit my job myth, calling it out as being perpetuated by dudes who just want to mooch off their girlfriends. Music has never been the only important thing in my life, and transitioning to a new job is really putting into perspective just how important it is to me to balance all the different interests and priorities I have. This podcast is syndicated on Blues and Roots Radio, and last week I just re-edited our early interview with Dave Dubois for them. And in that interview, Dave talks about how his band, The Locusts Have No King, are perfectly happy with self-releasing new music whenever they can afford it, playing in Windsor less than 10 times a year, and playing outside of Windsor almost never, and continuing to love the music and love the shows while all the members get to get on with their lives, their jobs, and their families. That strikes me as such a healthy relationship to have with music. For more on this subject, let's get to our interview with Jay Pollock, starting with the song Bellwoods from his 2014 record, Sunflower. The ripest fruit screams at your eyes, but you're too busy counting flies. Life is bright, the coast is clear. With... Oh man, 
I blew a, I blew a tire. Ah, that's interesting. Well. kinds of instruments out here yeah got your um, your sitar multiple guitars piano i, I got it got carried away i was um kind of collecting them and you know when you have like some people have a, a thing they collect and then all of a sudden like christmas time comes birthdays come and all of a sudden you get like a million like yeah terrible tambourines or like, <laughs> like real and things that aren't really 
yeah, working yeah, instruments. All these, yeah, all these percussion so I had instruments. To, I had to downsize quite a bit, but uh, kept the things that work. And um, yeah, like when I got a when I got a guitar when I was fifteen, I got the sitar mm-hmm. at the same at the like within six months of each other. So really, oh, like learning both kind of at the same time. When I say learning, I mean I took two lessons on each, but that's <laughs> um, more than I took. Yeah, it, uh, it definitely uh, affected my my writing, my playing style on the guitar. Because mm-hmm. playing the sitar, yeah, because it uh, it gave me the freedom in to play those notes in between the notes that we usually don't hear in right. North America or something like yeah. that, like uh, or Western music, whatever you want to yeah. call it. So it's more chromatic style. Yeah, definitely yeah. right. Those. So they get a little sour sometimes, but it's amazing how your brain actually gets used to allowing those ones in mm-hmm. when you're hearing music or writing your music. And other people will be like, what the hell, man? Mm-hmm. You just hit that wrong, man. He keeps hitting that, eh. But it's like, for me, those are like, when those no- notes kind of fight, it's it's beautiful. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I feel I feel liberated, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost like you're doing jazz. Oh uh, yeah, but yeah. you know, I I I don't have a lot of the fundamentals of of that. Or when I say a lot, I mean any. Any. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, I have like uh, I feel like my growth as a, as a guitarist and and an instrumentalist has has had all these points where I'm like, oh, where I discover something, and then I and then it's now part of my repertoire. Like yeah, like even going young enough to be like, oh, the dominant seventh note. Right, mm-hmm. like when I added that into music, it just completely yeah. expanded my po- yeah. area of possibilities. And then you're adding like blue notes, and then all these. It's pretty cool how it's like mm-hmm. in stages. Yeah. For me, it was learning how to sing more chromatically, so that like I could hit those middle notes. Right, because you yeah. can do so much more. It opens up mm-hmm. if you're if you're not just sticking to sort of the true notes of the scale. You can kind of flip in between and do some falsetto-y stuff, and it's a hell of a lot easier if you know how to do that. Which is yep. hard as a singer to be able to do that at first. Definitely, and and when you have that, when you're writing a song and you're writing a melody for it, mm-hmm. a lot of times I feel you, the first instinct is to just start singing the words you wrote in, in a way that just seems the most natural way to do it. Mm-hmm. And just like the, uh, but if sometimes before I really start laying down the melody, I'll think, hey, I could actually kind of get outside of the box that I'm in sometimes and like take this note up to there, like put an effort into maybe. Mm-hmm. putting a melody that is a little bit takes you for a little bit of a ride yeah I mean, you got that chromatic thing going yeah, on yeah. and you're you're in good shape because you can yeah it's tough because it's such a minor change right i mean right. The, the whole the whole thing is when you're when you're singing in, in i don't even know the terminology because i don't know much about theory but when you're singing and i guess those whole notes or those those notes that are true to the scale it's you can feel the difference because they're wide in your throat you yeah. know whereas they, yeah the, the the difference in the chromatic notes mm-hmm. are so small that it's it's hard to guide your voice yep. that way but it's and it's funny you say about um, what feels natural because isn't something that feels natural like the the root of what makes certain sounds feel natural to us is that we've heard them before. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. So the ones that are most we're most used to, yeah, are the ones that are doing taking the least and chances. And you're, you're usually writing something in a blues scale. Yeah. You know, starting on the root note, going up to the minor third or whatever. Like it just <laughs> it just. Oh wow! I did it again. I wrote a song with those exact notes again. And that, <laughs> man, I wrote I, I rhymed 
Life and strife. Damn it. Uh-huh. I, I rhymed fine and wine. Damn it. Well, it's like, yeah. uh, I don't know if you guys watched that HBO show, Vinyl, that new one that, that's just on TV. No. It's, uh, it's brilliant. Scorsese and uh, Mick Jagger created it. So it's uh, it's all about the record industry in the 70s. Yeah, those are, yeah they're big names. Right, right. But uh, yeah, there's this one part where one of the characters is playing, is teaching these punk kids how to write a song properly. He's like, EAB. That's all you got to do. And he just keeps playing EAB on the guitar. And he's play, he plays you know 12 different amazing blues songs that are like iconic songs and he's doing the exact same thing yeah. on the guitar over and over again unreal yeah but that takes something too you know when you have the most it simple does thing. yeah right yeah mm-hmm. and i was thinking uh i was doing a co trying to do a co-write i've been music's been so personal for me that i don't really get into that much but sort of you know we put together a structure for chords and everything and then you know even if we i was imagining 10 people in a room being handed 10 songwriters being handed the same verse of a brand new song that hasn't been written yet and the chords are played and no one gets to hear hmm. what each person will do so you have words and chords but yeah you have words and chords mm-hmm. a structure and then all of a sudden it's like okay everyone leave and person number one is gonna now sing that verse mm-hmm. and then they leave and then someone else comes in the room and does it. imagine how different yeah yeah or imagine how similar they, they might often be who mm-hmm. knows right Who's done the experiment? <laughs> I don't know. So you got, you were 15 years old and you got a sitar for some reason. Yeah. What's what's that about? <laughs> uh, I just like to appear to be very mystical. Mm. Uh, I, found, I found a vinyl in my, my parents' basement. My parents' suburban Whitby basement. Whitby. Oh, yeah, Whitby. Baby. Very familiar with Whitby. Um, very nice green lawns everywhere. Mm-hmm. Lots Except of malls. Winter. One terrible. There's a bunch now. There's a lot of malls now, you know. But there was one terrible one. It, it was the Whitby Mall. Mm-hmm. I think it was called maybe it. the Whitby Mall Shopping Center. Yeah. But like mall the lights shopping. never worked, so it was like the Whitby yeah. All All Er. Yeah. <laughs> like fix it once, man. My whole childhood. <laughs> one time. It was at the moment the red lettering on the white. Yeah. Uh, do you remember yeah. that? I grew up in uh, right near there, Newcastle Bowmanville area. All right, there we yeah. go. Oh yeah, yeah. close by. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, in that town with that mall with a broken sock, <laughs> uh, found um, these this record, uh, Yehudi Menuhin and Ravi Shankar. Mm. It was called uh, East Meets West or West Meets East. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, Ravi did the things with the Beatles and all that. He yeah. was mm-hmm. like the whole face of, you know, bringing Indian music to the West. But I, I mean, I got the delayed reaction. I think this album was probably made in maybe early 70s, but he, uh, this guy was like a violin, violinist, classical, and he played with Ravi Shankar, so it was like this mm-hmm. fusion. But oh, I couldn't okay. believe what I was hearing. I was like, oh my God, like these these notes, this freedom, like the the bending of the notes, like even with the violin with having no frets and the sitar with all the bending it can do. I was like, and I, I just was blown away by it. And, and uh who know? I live so close to Scarborough, it was easy to find these instruments around, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. I went to a place called House of Raga mm-hmm. and picked up a sitar for 500 bucks. Um, I worked at a pet store scooping, scooping fish. Ooh. Oh, man, I could catch some serious fish. That was good. You could point one <laughs> out, boom, I got it, right? <laughs> and when that, then when you got your, your paychecks for like 640 an hour or whatever, all the money that you got, you could just be like, what should I do with this money? Because mm-hmm. you don't have any bills because you live in your parents' You have no bills yeah. in the suburbs. Right. So mm-hmm. got a guitar, got a sitar, uh, and took a few lessons of each. I got in trouble 
uh, with the, uh, the sitar lessons by the teacher. She was she was really upset with me because I was just like kind of wanting to be free verse and do what I want. But she's right. like, you can't you can't just be playing anything you want any time of the day. You know, like she was upset. She like, had a different, uh, yeah. Technique. You know, like these are classical motions. You need to go ascending this way, descending this way. Like the scales change when you go up and down. It was just like, okay, I just want to know how to hold this thing, you know, and like some technique. And like, there's no way I'm gonna, you know, really take this on. Right. But it was good. It was. I'm glad I did it. But she hated me. Plus tax. Well, that's why yeah. you only had two lessons, right? Right. But the guitar guy. I mean, the guitar lesson guy. He was like. He was the guitar player that I would never want to be. You know what I mean? He mm-hmm. was like the... I don't know what he was doing. Like He was kind of like a classic rock guy, but he was just doing like... I don't know what he was doing. I just I didn't want to do that. So mm-hmm. I, I learned how to hold the guitar somewhat as mm-hmm. well. And then I was like... I was like, dude, you can't just go around playing anything you want any time of the day, you know? So I got the hell out of there. <laughs> Blues. It's yeah, freaking three in the afternoon. <laughs> Jesus. But yeah. So... so basically self-taught then yeah yeah i mean uh i took uh piano lessons from when i was like six till 12 Mm -hmm. and then i realized i found out it wasn't cool yeah well (laughs) that's the thing is like i feel like when you go into lessons at pre 10 years old it's like a good way to like if if you want your kid not to play that instrument put them in lessons when they're six or seven years old yeah and yet like you don't understand the fundamentals you don't understand what these what chords means or scales you get or whatever but once i got the guitar i was like oh like these chords i understand and it just it just all clicked and i don't know if it was the age or the instrument or what but Mm uh yeah so yeah i feel like the the guitar is very visceral like that like you just pick it up and it's like okay this makes sense now you have to play it in a certain way whereas a piano you can do anything on right so many buttons different colors (laughs) some up there some down there what the hell do i do with this thing but now i see you have a piano Right, yeah, right here behind me. And that that piano that was sold when I quit to some neighbors up the street called me. Uh, we're talking fifteen, twenty years later, or whatever. Wait, this is the same piano. That's the piano. Oh, oh, okay. oh is is Jay still playing the piano? I'm sure they had a voice <laughs> like that. They didn't at all. Yeah, no, that's my impersonation of everybody. Right. Do you do that when you're impersonating me? Yeah. Well, yeah. I've never impersonated you yet. Yeah. Well, when you do. But when I tell people about this interview. Yeah. Like, Jay was like, oh, come on. Are you playing the sitar? <laughs> but yeah, that's the piano. And they sold it to me for the same price that my parents sold it to them. So that was, Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, wow. Appreciation yeah. sucks. It's the circle of life. Right. Um, so you play now. You've got, I play. You've gotten I, over I that. fart around with it. It's fun at parties. Um, mm-hmm. Once in once every six months, I might do something on stage that I have to like repractice because... It's not my main instrument for sure, you know. Mm-hmm. Just do a one, just do the one song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. one or two songs, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't play it too much. It's, it's just pretty. Mm. And this big. is like the type of place where, you know, I have a friend um, who performs as Swamp Wolf, and he, you walk into his apartment, and it's kind of like this. I mean, it's a lot less nice, but uh, there's just instruments. <laughs> oh, <all> thank <laughs> you. Oh, I tell him Swamp Wolf, honey. <laughs> oh, he'll listen. Um, and he's just got instruments lying about and then you listen to the like weird stuff too um and then you listen to his records and it's just like oh yeah like there's there's him just being him and right. playing all these yeah. things right. but when you listen to a jay pollock record it's like oh just it's there's it's, not a lot of right yeah stuff mm-hmm. you're no. not layering things really no i think um especially I, I don't know if you guys probably just heard the most recent sunflower 
mm-hmm. album. Um, that was sort of the uh, first album that was definitely a band trio. We mm-hmm. established like an electric trio vibe. Yeah, um, where well, I got the hollow body Gretsch and the Bigsby bending around like crazy on the on nice. the chords, maybe finding so, those in between notes. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, but um, it doesn't sneak in there too much. Maybe at my solo days recording, you know, getting a lot of the different percussion. I I always try to get sitar on every recording. There's a little bit of sitar on the last tune, just kind of droning out. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, we definitely. I wanted it to be sort of that trio, mm-hmm. punchy, mm-hmm. drum-driven album. Um, Which I love. Live and, recreation almost. Yeah, and not yeah. much overdub. I mean, maybe on guitar solos, I kind of had like the rhythm guitar sort of like just filling in and playing really light. Mm-hmm. Um, but live, you know, it's just a trio. It feels like a lot of responsibility, you know, especially when you listen to the album and then you go back and play live. You're like, oh man, I got to stop playing these chords and go into the solo. And it's a new thing. I mean, I've only been playing the electric for about three years. Oh yeah? Mm-hmm playing acoustic you know pretty hard on the acoustic you know pretty percussive mm-hmm. lots of chords um heavy on the body of it that's why i needed that big bodied electric when i did the transition and yeah. right and then all of a sudden that's what i was thinking being cut free on, on on making solos and improvising and having enough of an instrument to be able to do it so mm-hmm. my style yeah. has changed over the last few years you'll see a difference from album one creepy dinner music to album two sunflower it's quite a different different thing how old is mm-hmm. is, is creepy dinner music creepy dinner music is probably six years old okay um and sunflower is about a year and a half I, mm-hmm. it's all a blur in my life <laughs> in general but uh that was a labor of love that was a um recorded at home every track mixed at home every track on my own in, in a lot of solitude mm-hmm. three in the morning how long did that take uh, it was probably about a four month oh, real not... like isolation and you know, I kind of had like a total uh, life upheaval a betrayal so to speak of a uh, major well, we could call it a marriage oh. <laughs> imagine that we could call in it the a 20s yeah idiot <laughs> right so it was like oh wow and then like major betrayal like shit and like stuff that happens in bad movies so I yeah, was like right. whoa I'm on my own uh, this is weird. Um, I haven't played guitar or written on, or played on stage in like seven years. Mm-hmm. I played from 15 to 20 writing, playing mm-hmm. around. Uh, I did have another album with another a band called Magic Box. Still in Whitby? Yeah, they, mm-hmm. we played in Toronto sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, Elmo Combo, so things like that. So there was some gigging happening. Yeah, mm-hmm. mostly Whitby, Oshawa, whatever. The old teenage rock band. Right, band. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, too too much complacency in the in the uh, in the twenties, and then the uh, the explosion of of everything um, gave me all this space and major reflection time. Oh yeah! And all of a sudden, I was like, boom! Yeah. Right here come the songs. Right, and I was writing all that stuff with the other bands before, but I was never. I didn't have anything to write about lyrically, mm-hmm. so I was always yeah. a singer, and I was writing the chords and the stuff going on, and but I would. I would fortunately be with band members that were poets. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, so, they so would, I would sing. They would just fill would in. Go through their poetry books and then like throw it <laughs> in. It, yeah. But then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh, I got some shit to write about, <laughs> to, write about <laughs> to figure yeah. out, right?" Because uh, I, that's music is is for me is is a deciphering of life, mm-hmm. right? That's yeah. what I'm doing. 
Um, most things I write, whether I know it or not at the time, it's like, oh, that's what I was writing about. <laughs> yeah. That's what the f- shit was going on <laughs> yeah. there, you know? Like, oh, yeah. So all of a sudden, reborn in, in all, pretty much every facet of my life, um, late 20s, if you want to call it. And uh, so for the last 10 years, mm-hmm. writing with like real meaning to mm-hmm. myself and all that, you know. I can't even remember what the original question was. Just coffee strong. <laughs> but, but do you, do you find that happens a lot? Like you, uh, like not remembering what the original question no. were? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All the time. I was just asking about the first record and like yeah, how yeah. that came right. Came so that was the so first. Yeah, is... like re, like boom, write, mean it, feel it. Yeah, vulnerable as hell. Strange metaphors. Mm-hmm. What the hell are these things I'm writing? I'm gonna go with it because if I hamper, if you know, if I put a damper on it, mm-hmm. um, it's 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 not gonna be me. Um, yeah. Right. Too much yeah. self-analysis is like... Yeah, just, just you know... Gets in the way. I find that uh, like probably 60% of the songs I write at the time seem like they have no meaning. And that actually yeah. makes me not want to continue writing them. Because it's like, this, what does this even it's mean? It's just nonsense. Right. And then a month later, I'll go revisit it. It's like, oh, oh, I was trying to work that problem out. Yes, you know, you don't even exactly. realize that's a problem right. at the time. So yeah. much of that. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you know, sometimes you don't want to. You don't, you don't want to delve into it you know i don't want to write about that right now yeah right? and then you like resist it and then you go, oh why haven't i written a song in four months <laughs> yeah because <laughs> you keep so checking like, out these yeah. ideas yeah. and then you're like okay i'm gonna write about like i'm gonna do some like borderline surrealism stuff i love stuff that's pretty surreal mm-hmm. um but then i realize in the end that it's not surreal at all it just is a different way of using metaphor than yeah. you might mm-hmm. a little unorthodox or like Really, you're gonna like write that sentence? That's what the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> and, and those words are gonna get put together. Okay, I do that, and then the song's done, and you sing it a few times, and you're, a couple months goes by, and you're like, holy shit, it was I didn't avoid it at all. Yeah, yeah you know, it's right there. Yeah. Huh. So I found that. I mean, I I recently, well, recently like a few years ago now, but I uh, revisited a song I had written six years before, and was like, holy crap, that's that's what that's about yeah. it's about a thing in my childhood I wasn't even thinking about at the time right. and I mean obviously there's a bit of that Winch, yeah Winch I'm saying with her but there's like a, I, I don't know how much of that is just us attaching the meaning later maybe I mean I either way it still works right some it's, of that too yeah Yeah. but yeah I mean if once it's attached as the meaning then that's that's, that's the meaning, the meaning it doesn't matter it may change yeah. again in five years yeah you know? there's no real science yeah it's like it's uh, the it's our mind's so that's the absolute, I guess, right? I mean, I've had, peop- I've had people <laughs> tell me what my songs are about and be like, oh, yeah, I guess that is what that's about. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, it's about the patriarchy. Who knew? Yeah. Dude, man, <laughs> I've written about the patriarchy. Like crazy. Yeah. Do you ever actually go in um, with intention? Do you go in and say, I'm writing a song about this now? Mm, I know what's coming. I know what it's going mm-hmm. to be when, when, when it's like that. I don't... I'm trying to think of a, a song I might have written where I was like, I am going to write about this. Now go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. But I think within a, a few lines that are coming out. Yeah. Then you find that. Then I'm like, okay, I guess this is going like this. I should probably try to stick with this. Mm-hmm. You know, to at least for one verse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. So but. you mentioned a seven year gap between playing in Whitby and releasing your, your first album. First, yeah. So what was, I mean, besides the relationship. Yeah. What else was going on at that time? Um, I think it was just that there was so much space, you know. Um, just you know, your house is half empty. 
mm-hmm. you know, and you're just kind of there. And um, I guess everything that goes along with it, you know, you, you just think you have everything sort of like in this nice little nest type mm-hmm. thing. And you think that's what you wanted. And you're like, holy shit. Like, I didn't. This is good. I can feel it. I'm going to come out of this. I'm going to work yeah. my ass off on it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's going to take some, as I mentioned, some uh, excavation. You know, mm-hmm. it's like an actual, you can picture like, like yeah. in the mind, you know. <laughs> I think that's kind of it. I mean, as for anything else, um, it, it was great. And, and also immersing myself into the Toronto mm-hmm. um, musician songwriters players mm-hmm. around the city i mean when did that happen right then i mean right yeah. when i started you know um it, it was i would go to shows and, and enjoy them but i never i don't know what the hell i was doing man <laughs> yeah i even like watched like hockey in my 20s like, i don't <laughs> what the hell's that about? <laughs> <laughs> like yeah I, I know what you're saying, though, because, I mean, I took uh, a bit of a break from music, at least playing live. I, I would always play guitar, you know, in my room or whatever. But uh, for about three or four years, I didn't really write a song or very or not very many songs, and I really didn't play live. And I can't honestly tell you what the hell I was doing with right. my life at that time. It's yeah. like it's almost like even though I do have, like, I'm, I'm in academia, uh, I, I, I still divide my life up by what I was doing musically at that time you know right, what, what yeah. album was i working yeah, on yeah. who was i playing with what, what was band my band was yeah and, and w- without that i don't really have a frame of reference it's just like a four-year black hole it's like oh yeah. something happened there but well one thing i've realized that's interesting and also makes me kind of feel bad about myself is that <laughs> let's um, talk about that all right um <laughs> like I, I when it, I, when i moved up to windsor and, and met you and it well not moved but like when i started hanging out in windsor and university yeah. and met you and everything um then I moved to Montreal, and then I moved to uh, Australia for nine months, and nice. then I moved here. And all of my social circles in all of these places are based on the bands I've been yeah. in. Huh. And that's how I've made all my friends yeah. like, mm-hmm. in my life. And basically. imagine what you would have like, like, Who would you have met? What would you have done? It makes me just wonder if I just don't know how to make friends. Right. <laughs> you just show I just up make to show. Just a, like a and scheme then I get lucky, you got like, going, right? When I like the people, then we become friends. But yeah. like... I'm always going through music, right? Mm-hmm. But good me. people, man. Like, I don't I've know, met I, some bad ones too, though. right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. But it's easy <laughs> to weed them out and just like yeah. not use your energy on them. But like, yeah. when you think about, um, I don't know. Sometimes you have, you have a bunch of circles of friends, um, and some in music and some not in music. But the the friends within music, there's uh, often like a real close. I don't know. I guess everyone's a little bit mushier sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. the talk about open like, sensitivity for yeah, sure. Like yeah. Like real sensitive yeah. and like have like a real deep conversation about yeah. things and, and like be more, I don't know, maybe there's more empathy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it, and maybe it's not the, like the players, like the real hardcore, but, but the, the songwriters, yeah, yeah. Specifically, you know, yeah. but you can tap into a whole other type of human when you're hanging out with, with songwriters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm a real feelings guy. Yeah. I think Derek and I are the same way. We're very emotional guys. And that's that's something that's that's very, it's frowned upon, can we frankly. Hug? Can we hug? Will it get on tape? <laughs> yeah, we'll Is get this it. tape? Yeah. That's not tape. Can we get on ones and zeros? <laughs> well, tape figuratively. <laughs> ones and zeros. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like being an emotional guy, uh, I feel like 
in most avenues of life that's that's uh sort of frowned upon right obviously getting back to the patriarchy as right. it were right it's still oh, dude, like yeah, yeah. And in so, most social circles it's still it is, not yeah, really exactly whereas with songwriters i feel like it's like yeah we're all emotional people let's just acknowledge it and i feel mm-hmm. way more at home around artists in general and and, and the sort of creators because they're more on tap with that yeah and I, f- I feel like when i was younger and didn't hang out with musicians didn't hang out with artists uh, that I never really fit in anywhere until it was mm-hmm. until I started playing music, and then it was like, oh, okay, these are my people, right? <laughs> and you can have way more connected conversations. Yeah, you know, I find it, I find it a good thing. These, mm-hmm. you know, I, I wanted to talk about why you guys called it. I quit my job. <laughs> I want to interview your ass. There we go. All right, you're not the first one who's tried this. We just edited it out. All right, no problem. We'll <laughs> no, no, we'll leave this one. Um, well, I, right I chose the name. Yeah. Um, based on the old man Ludicky song, and it's just it's from his first record, and it's just like a song about like do the things you love, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and my idea, I want, I liked it first because it's a reference to somebody who's like considered a seminal contemporary songwriter, and we're kind of on the folk side of things generally. So mm-hmm. I was like, I want it to be something very Canadiana, yes, but also. Um, makes a good theme song for the podcast yes it does (laughs) and secondly it's kind of part of it's one of those things that's in the myth of the musician oh yeah Yeah, i I wanted to talk about we quit our day jobs and then like became you know because i I got that's the day damn it got on the radio and we all quit our day yeah like i i wanted i i i was thinking about it and i was you know the the name i quit my job and i was thinking Oh, okay. It's like that, eh? And I was gonna get all my back all up, or they got, I got my back up. I haven't quit my job yet, so it's what? like, yeah, it's like, what? Well, you know, because I, I, I feel, I feel the stigma. I have yeah. a day job. Oh, you know what? I, I, think, I think like what three of our guests maybe have actually quit their day right. jobs. Yeah, not very many. Not very many. I, I was talking to a, a friend of mine, Erin Hunt. She's a great writer, um, and she, uh, she's. I was talking about this whole I quit my job thing and the, the stigma with it. She's like, I think it's a conspiracy that dude songwriters have created. Like they've colluded to the, to make this a thing where, oh, I got to quit my job to f- feel my passion just so they can leech off their girlfriends and, and live, live with a... <laughs> <laughs> Hey, honey, I think I should move in with you because I, you know, I gotta fulfill my dream, and you can pay all the bills. The patriarchy just, comes come, back again. There it goes. It's yeah. the theme of this this entire thing. Yeah, or the the matriarchy. I, yeah. <laughs> the matriarchy. <laughs> but, but why did you guys bring up patriarchy? Is that, uh, I, it was hear? just random. I don't know. I, I didn't know. If, <laughs> I didn't know if it was because of the sunflower. I mean, that's 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 what that song is about. That title track on the album. Yeah, I was like, you guys just like. I mean, yeah, totally. We knew that. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but like, yeah, I mean, that that song um, is uh, well, it's it's got a lot of layers to it. It it, it, it almost is calling myself out on some things, but uh, Mm -hmm. the song is about um, the many women who I know in in my life that have been um, either victimized. Or, or just treated like I can swear, right? I keep forgetting. Oh, yeah, I swear, yeah, right? you can. This isn't yeah. on like you know prime times no. NBC. No, it's all good. They're treated like <laughs> shit by their 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 boyfriend or their their father. Father, jeez, you mm-hmm. know, right? And and I hate it. And I and I and it's a struggle. It's a lifelong struggle. And I feel like I want to make sure that I'm not in that category. Right. And I can yeah. be 
really, you know, I, I will prove all that wrong in whatever type of relationship we have. And then it's like, but wait, no, that I'm being the protector. Yeah, I'm exactly. The, You're fulfilling the, like, another so, side of the so patriarchy. I'm, I'm stuck in the damn thing too, right? <laughs> yeah. This is bullshit. Like, how, what am I supposed to do? Right? So, like, oh, I'm the scarecrow, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and she is the sunflower, or they are the sunflowers, mm-hmm. and I'm the scarecrow, the protector. I don't know why mm-hmm. I keep announcing that, <laughs> but I like it. It feels more like authoritative, <laughs> right? And then it's like, oh, well, good, good me. You know, you get into the bridge. Uh, a lot of times when you write the bridge, which I barely write bridges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. got to be like, no, I don't, I don't do much introspective either. part. Like, but wait, like, oh, I'm such a saint. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm so good because I'm the, the pr- protective scarecrow of, of right. all of this. And it's, I don't know. I, I, you're supposed to just write a song about a thing. You're not supposed to like, I don't know. You're not supposed to call yourself out and like bring yourself back to reality and say, oh, I'm really, I'm really not that great or something. I, I, don't, mm-hmm. I, I think like you are supposed to do that. Then. Yeah, self-deprecation well, well, then is I did like it. Woo-hoo, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's, it's I, I don't know, that's, that's kind of what's going on with that one. You know? uh, mm-hmm. I mean, there's different types of songwriting, right? But, uh, but for me, it, it's very much uh, like self-therapy is a big part of it a lot of the time. And mm-hmm. I think that's what you're describing. Oh, yeah. yeah like you're holding yourself up to the mirror and saying, like, for better or for worse, mm-hmm. yeah. this is what comes out. It's way cheaper than therapy, too. Yeah. I mean, the albums <laughs> well, are fucking expensive. You well, could, you could argue really that. Yeah. <laughs> the songwriting part of it. The songwriting part, but all the, yeah, documentation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I but take yeah, that I really... So, coming back to the myth. Yes. As perpetrated by yeah. the male... Right. Want to be musician, <laughs> right? So uh, you got to be digging ditches. You got to be, uh, you got to be like wearing clothes with holes in them, and uh, you know, in in an alleyway to have like the soul to write to like the songwriter's yeah, yeah. song. You know, mm-hmm. you can only wear like brown tweed. <laughs> you know, and uh, how could you possibly write a song? How could you have like any sort of soul if you're, you know have this day job and therefore your life is probably like you can make ends meet yeah but it's like well geez like what i do ain't rock and roll in the daytime um and i feel like maybe i need it more you know i need that release maybe even more because of of music because like because it isn't your day job yeah i'm like i'm you know i'm i'm in a giant cement place my, like, Can I ask what you do? I, I work at a, a hotel, and it's it's with microphones. You know, I, I, my background education is recorded music production. Okay. So uh, that helped with making the albums and mm-hmm. stuff. But it also, mm-hmm. as a side thing, I got into like corporate. I call it, I like to say corporate sound and lighting because oh, audio <laughs> visual. Yeah, audio yeah. visual just sounds like AV. You know, yeah. like <laughs> but yeah. So it's all like you know ballrooms, mm-hmm. major hotel downtown core. Um, and uh, so you work like at a site like that's that's your the like site has all the equipment there and so you're uh, not one of those on the road guys no not on the road just just there mm-hmm. whatever happens in that place microphones lighting projectors mm-hmm. people talking on microphones but they're they're not singing uh, they're no. not singing their heart out they're they're having they're making presentations they're talking about <laughs> talking about corporate synergy <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah the paradigm shift and what's coming down the pipeline next <laughs> And all that, you know, so it's like, it's great. You know, I, I, I do well there. 
I'm comfortable when I get home. I don't have to worry about bills too much mm-hmm. or as much. And uh, I write songs and I mean them and I feel them. And I'm mm-hmm. um, that gives you the freedom to do all that too, right? Um, so I think it's bullshit. I think the whole thing yeah. is a total mm-hmm. sham. And um, I think I say that. You know, guys like Donald Trump could write a great album. <laughs> well, I think he needs some self-awareness right. yeah, to be yeah. a good song. Right. <laughs> some level of... Because, yeah, yeah I, I compare myself exactly. to Donald Trump because I work during the day often. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we got that, you know, we're like, we got to edit this shit out, man. <laughs> no. Let's not. But no, I, As I a think, rule, I, think, I don't edit yeah, out yeah, any time right. the guest says we got to edit that out. <laughs> Leave it any time he compares himself to Donald Trump, <laughs> you got to keep that in. In fact, yeah. just do that and loop it. <laughs> yeah. that'll be the preview I'll release a preview that's just yeah. like <laughs> yeah well it works do you have aspirations of uh, success or do you like the music life balance well I think um, that that word itself I'm going to call you out on as well mm-hmm. the which word, one aspiration su- no success, success <laughs> right because you know we can talk all day about what the word success means and, and, I, and I know the connotation it's flipped to financial um stability or financial like being becoming rich or whatever or or being able to make your money with that thing that you do Mm -hmm. but like i feel really successful with my music Mm -hmm. and it's a financial blunder right um i've it's such a huge part of my brain and my soul and and the the, what i what i need to do what um just such a part of my my within me i have to write this stuff um it's i'm i'm a very successful musician (laughs) Mm. but uh as for the um the model of whatever the model is of a a, a 2016 musician and the ways that they can be uh driving the the financial train or whatever like through just plowing through i mean what you what you have to do and how the likelihood of getting in and it just seems it all feels so artificial it just yeah. i don't know if i'm old school like we all should be blacksmiths and farmers and uh the like the town troubadours or whatever like these guys <laughs> that just like play music and they'll make a living because they're playing on the side of the but like anything like why has it gotten so big why in the last whatever hundred years or you know, you got the old composers back in the beef oven. All the guys that are decomposing, as dad jokes would say. Oh. But it's like, you know, it's, wow, it's gotten so big. And like, we're supposed to be on the big screens and we're supposed to be, mm-hmm. make millions because there's millions coming in and we should get a big piece of it because we would be part, like the reason for it or like the focus of it. It doesn't appeal to me. I love to play my music. I love to write my songs. I like to perform them in front of an audience that can feel it too and i never want to stop doing that but the grand stage the like famous thing whatever band pick a band i don't know man i think it's all i I think i might wreck it Mm -hmm. you know i and you know i'm not saying like you know day jobs and stuff the day job is not supposed to be the best thing in the world maybe they're all a lot of them are pretty weird you know like what mm-hmm. i do this for real 
<laughs> uh, but you do it and you're like kind of good at it and you know it's you embrace it somehow but maybe that would wreck music for me too maybe just the fact that it has no agenda I'm not writing a song because I think it's going to be a hit or it's got a hook or like this will relate to the most people I'm writing a song that feels exactly the way it should coming out of my brain mm-hmm. you know it's unspoiled fuck that felt good <laughs> I feel inspired I saw Danny Michelle play at a loft mm-hmm. for a fundraiser it was pretty cool to see him do like just a solo gig in such an intimate setting because I could kind of see the artifice of his music is what turns me off but the actual yeah. core of it's pretty good yeah. and he's a really great kind of guitar he almost plays like the rockabilly style is in is right. the way he plays guitar even though his songs wouldn't be called rockabilly songs um but he said this one song and he, he introduced a new song and he's like, I wrote this song because I want to buy a cottage. <laughs> so I wrote a song that's going to earn me the money I need to buy my cottage. Wow. And this song yesterday like it was on CBC. Wow. No, so it was like three cents. Oh, fucking it was three cents for the cottage right there. <laughs> no, it's like a hit now. It's like, I mean, it, they, they picked yeah. it up at least. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if it's going to be big, but, this song but he, he's... It was very that. utilitarian. Right. Yeah. He's doing that I thing need you the just money. described. Yeah. Where he's like, this song is the is a song that's meant to be a hit. It's written to be a hit. Yeah. It's getting on the radio. I'm pushing mm-hmm. it through. Blah, 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 blah. Well, I mean, Ron has talked about that with his uh, with the Bob Probert song. Right? right. He wrote that because he knows that it's a song about Bob Probert. It's a hockey fight song. Right. right. It's going to get know. played on CBC. And the old soul has a song called Nova Scotia, which... Uh, you know, tourism board and whatever, right? Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> we haven't released it yet, but there is some talk of that, yeah, right. of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, you could write songs for, like, maybe you could do it. Like, oh, this is my music that I write for my niche. That it is right. my purest form. It definitely is a little niche. I mean, my my songs aren't for everybody. Um, but like, yeah, and then you could write another album of music, like on the side, that is just like. It doesn't feed your soul. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know that it's like for marketing. It's got a different agenda. Well, they could right. still be good songs and, too. That's yeah, the thing. I mean, it could still be good songs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but does one? Because I was kind of uh, when I told that story, I was kind of leaning on your side about how like the artificiality of that, and like I hear the song on the radio, and I'm like, ah, okay, you're doing that. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like a little bit iffy to me. Yeah, but mm-hmm. uh. Is that just because I'm holding it on a pedestal, or, or like, does one thing have to devalue the other? Right. Who knows? Like maybe you call an maybe artist I'm a sellout. Maybe. Does that make all their music bad? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think about all those big artists that have that like, that one song. It's so different than the rest, or whatever. It makes them famous and mm-hmm. famous. For, I don't know what the, I don't know what all this stuff is, man. I struggle with it every day. <laughs> well, I mean, I do the same thing because, like, I'm again being in academia. I mean, that provides me with a lot of flexibility. Like, I'm busy. It's kind of it's kind of like you. Like, I'll work crazy hours for yeah. a few weeks, but then I can take a few weeks and do nothing. It's beautiful. And uh, it's it's a it does create a, a lot of space for creativity. And I, I think that's part of the reason why I wanted to get into that because I knew it's like it's a stable job, it's a stable career, but it's also the type of thing that I can still do other things on the side yeah. with, whether it's music or whatever it's whatever it ends up being and maybe that's all it is you know what's what's so bad mm-hmm. you know but a lot of guys get into service industry like uh, mm-hmm. bartenders and stuff because when I mean, they keep those hours 
Yeah, Charles right, too. Charles. Talk well, about yeah, that. Yeah, Charles is a perfect mm-hmm. example. By the way, can we quit just his day say, job to do that? Right. Charles' show. show last night. Delta Will. Oh my God. It's unreal. I would I would have a friggin' heart attack just like hooking up all those just things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got like one delay pedal and a tuner and I like, like freak oh, out. I show up yeah. like uh, like an hour before I need to, like up. the rest of the band. I gotta get these two pedals out, man. <laughs> uh, that's another thing why I'm not a true musician. I'm on time for things. But oh, anyway, yeah. yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> but they they were incredible last night, man. I, I I never say this stuff, but like I stopped saying it a long time ago. But if anyone, and I'm gonna use the word, if anyone was gonna be a successful band or you know like bust through, like Charles is right on yeah, that. He's, he's right always. There. Whatever he's doing, I've heard his many projects. Mm-hmm. He kind of like reinvents because he's hip. <laughs> he reinvents <laughs> yeah, no, his sound, and he's like right in it. And it's it's like, oh man, like he yeah. and and the, the, together those guys are, are fantastic. His I'm drummer on the album, album is my drummer as well, Lowell Witty. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, um, he uh, mentioned that on the podcast actually. Oh, there yeah. you go. Well, yeah, like I mean, we've been Lowell and I like five six years uh, playing, and uh, what a creative guy. I mean. He definitely, you can hear him definitely on that, and they got a lot of other things going on mm-hmm. with 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 us. Lowell is a because um, he if you if the music warrants it, you you can cut Lowell a real free spirited. He's very creative. Mm-hmm. You let him go, mm-hmm. and um, oh, the three piece is a lot of room. yeah, there's a, a lot, lot of room. room. You know, mm-hmm. like a few drum solos or whatever, and like our, our longer gigs. Um, but uh, wh- I, I got a, a quirk factor going in. Uh, in my in my tunes and even whatever the guitar style or the words and and his drumming just it's just it's, perfect for it you know mm-hmm. uh, we we did one we do uh like periodically we do residencies at the cameron house in the front room okay uh you know month or two yeah. or whatever uh, and there was one like ice storm night where uh something happened he couldn't bring the drums and he expected the drums in the basement there from one of the residency bands that we don't usually borrow from. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's an emergency. They'll let us. He's just got to get there. Mm-hmm. So he gets there and then there's no, there's like nothing. There's like a kick and maybe like one tom and he's got <laughs> and his sticks he and he like digs through the like bowels of the Cameron house, man. That's an old building, right? And he's like <laughs> freaking like set design from like Silence of the Lambs. Just kidding. That's weird. <laughs> That's not it's not that bad down there. There's kegs and it's beautiful. <laughs> uh, and it's a, it's a beautiful place but uh, you found like a tambourine uh, a music stand and uh, so he put the tambourine on the tom and the music stand was like his snare mm-hmm. like just tilted like tabletop yeah. yeah. and he hit it with his sticks and his friggin his symbol was I guess the tambourine like he would hit on top of the tom and then and there's a big like one, you know like a radiator right on stage oh yeah and so he like hit like along that <laughs> like he's hitting this radiator filled with hot oil or whatever is inside yeah. of those things and like there was so much space in the show uh, we had a even though it was like a bad weather we had a pretty decent amount of people there and mm-hmm. the people that were there that night were just like i'll never forget and i will never forget that yeah. like mm-hmm. we played differently there was no symbols and like yeah. lol like just playing like it just whatever it, he could what find. a performance that mm. he brought and and just to, we just fed off of it and just played differently and mm-hmm. that guy so is cool. a real special player you know it's like uh some probably players drummer rosie right mm-hmm. is his name um 
I can't. I've never seen like he has the simplest kit. It's just a snare. Yeah. I don't even think he has a tom. I think it's just a snare, a kick, and a and a yep. and a, a ride. Less is more sometimes with yeah. these guys. Like Lowell too, you know. Mm-hmm. They can make so many sounds. They're hitting the they're hitting yeah, the, the kick richness. drum with the sticks. Yeah. They're all over the place. Like elbows and mm-hmm. it was yeah. Rosie too. It sounds like he's basically just knocking a bunch of shit off a table. Yeah. But it somehow sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like it, I don't know how he does it with such a simple kit. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Except Neil Pert, of course, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I don't know. I don't. I don't really listen to that stuff. But that's cool. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So artifice. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> how about a tune? Oh, all right. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Let's uh, let's do that. Now I'm crashed 
And I'm stranded on Mars And Earth is a speck like the stars But their lease is under review And I feel so alone But I kinda like it The only thing I miss out here is you Cause back on the blue marble Everyone was fighting So I think I'm here to stay Silence, so I feel at home. But what have I done? I can't get back again. I'm stuck here till the end. Looks like I'm out of oxygen.